he sells his sperm on the web. Is that correct? The act of sex kills you. That is the point of this particular podcast. Especially if you're one of those that watched maybe The Witch or It Comes at Night and said, I want a payoff. I want, you're going to get <laughs> yeah, it. Okay? Yeah, you're yeah. going to get it. So this might be for you. The smell inside is doomed. The smell of blood is filled this room. If I could do it all again, I would change most every single thing. Kiss me. Kill me. Your kiss is torture. Welcome to the special Valentine's Day extravaganza of Fright Club with our special guests, Dr. Joyce Brothers and the magic of Doug Henning. Whoever got those references, God bless you. (laughs) We are back in front of a great Valentine's Day night crowd at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, doing Fright Club Live. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from MadWolf.com. And since we did have the, the date of Fright Club fall on Valentine's Day, it seemed perfect to do this theme of sex and death. And you heard the song choice. You just heard the song Kiss Me, Kill Me from a band I'd never heard of before. Mest was their name. I guess they're not together anymore, but we want to thank Donna for that. Well, one of us wants to thank Donna <laughs> for that uh, recommendation. Appreciate that. It's a good song. And uh, hope we're gonna we're gonna give you the Valentine's Day gift of having your song play out okay. here at the end. But we've All got right. a lot of content. It's not like to... it's my show or anything. <laughs> well, go ahead and tap I my handle the on music that. now. Come on, <laughs> we've got this the special Valentine's Day theme of sex and death. It's lovely, but we do have some ground rules. We do because basically, as uh, somebody actually already mentioned, Kurt already mentioned, sex and death is more or less it just means you're watching a horror movie right it could be (laughs) any horror movie sex and death and then there are some that are more overt about it than others like let's say uh repulsion right Mm -hmm. even psycho like this incredible sexual hysteria and and how you know arousal drives you to kill people and all the slasher movies where if a teenager has sex they're gonna die exactly but we want we're being super literal right which is you'll see when you see this list no when you have sex the act of sex kills you. That is the point of this particular podcast. So happy Valentine's exactly. Day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we got some good, uh, almost made the list or pretty much pared it down to this five. I actually rewatched the original Cat People. Right. But the truth is, <laughs> because it's so adorable, she won't kiss him. And then the remake is They still sex. get married. They still get married, and they've never kissed, and they don't kiss after they're married. <laughs> uh, and it is a really, I mean, it's a great, it is, it's a great movie, and it's a gorgeous movie to watch, but uh, it's, it by no means meets the criteria for this one. The remake, of course, with- um, Natasha Kinski. Right. That does meet the criteria. It just isn't any good. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then, and actually, when you see what we have at number five, you're right. going, oh, she really doesn't like cat people. I was just going to say, yeah. it's number five. Come on. Uh, I enjoyed number five. We can talk about that when we get there, but I did really like it. There's also um, uh, two uh, back-to-back contracted and and contracted phase two, which weren't bad. They were fine, but I, they're just, I mean, they're, they're a little too much like one of the other films that did make the list that was outstanding, so I thought, ugh, whatever. And then there were a couple of others... Like Sallow and Serbian film that I thought. Yeah, that's yeah. We don't want to go there. No, nope, um, not if we can't. Not if we can help it. <laughs> yeah. So we could include them, but we would need a shower afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah. So, uh, but some of these, especially uh, 
number five, I think. Uh, a lot of these are fun to talk about. And, of course, one we're going to be showing here tonight for some of the people, I think, in the crowd haven't seen it. And yeah. it's certainly an attention getter. That's right. And, Let's and put it that way. Um, as Dizak pointed out, if, uh, if you're just listening to the podcast later and you want to check it out, it is on Shutter right now. Okay. Yeah. The one we're showing tonight That's is right. on Shutter. Perfect. All right. So uh, we want to get to it. Get to number five, and it really is one that uh, needs no description. A lot of times I read the synopsis of these movies, but this one really doesn't need it. It's from <laughs> 1996. Explanatory title, Killer Condom. Something horrible is invading New York. Something terrifying. Something you've never seen before. It's the Killer Condom, the rubber that rubs you out. In a world where safe sex is deadly, it's the killer condom, the rubber that rubs you out. It's from Troma, of course. I'm really careful not to choose super long trailers because we have a time limit, but this is the only trailer that exists for Killer Condom. <laughs> so I didn't have any choice. But it's pretty well put together. I well, think you, you're watching it going, no, I'm going to watch this. I'm totally yes. going to watch this movie. There's so much perversely right about that. <laughs> First of all, the rubber that rubs you out. I mean, who wrote that? Give him a bonus right now. And then the actor, he plays Luigi Macaroni, yeah. I think is his name. Yes. Really? I, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I am totally in for Killer Condom. Yeah, so shockingly enough, this film was distributed by Troma. What? <laughs> you knew that before yeah. you even had to tell him. You yeah. did. You did. But here's what, I mean, I love so much about this movie. I really do. And, and it's like, I've had it on a list of movies that I hadn't seen and needed to see for years. And then I just finally watched it last week for this podcast, which is just one of the reasons, this podcast just brings my life so much joy. <laughs> Because I was just sitting in my office the other day, just watching Killer. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's German. It's in German. I mean, there are German actors speaking in German, although the film is set in New York City. And you know, because of how often they open a New York Times, like, newspaper machine, that, oh, it's authentically New York. And Luigi Macaroni, the lead detective, he's actually Sicilian. And he just dreams of going back to Sicily with his thick German accent speaking German in. The slums of New York. And the, the first victim, the female who is suspected of committing the crime of the first victim, her parents have to fly in from Oklahoma like the same day because they probably have no idea that that's quite a big flight actually over here. And it's just this tiny German guy with this enormous cowboy hat on. <laughs> oh, my God. But if you get past that, it's true that the actual <laughs> the monster is pretty effective. I mean, it's pretty creepy looking. All these Didn't you hear? H.R. Geiger. Exactly. And it also has the most refreshingly just gay theme throughout. Because, apropos of nothing, Luigi Macaroni is gay. And the hotel where these happenings keep going on, the lounge singer is a former detective who is now a drag queen who is in love with Luigi Macaroni. And, and basically what I love about that is that there's no reason for it. Zero. There's absolutely no reason for the fact that the majority of this cast is is playing homosexuals. And you're just they just kind of, I'm like, all right, nice. Well, there's no reason that Germans are playing New Yorkers. No, there's no. Absolutely <laughs> I mean, no reason. <laughs> so if you go into it looking for a reason, you need to... Go back to square one and one start again. One of my favorite, though, moments in this film, Luigi takes up with a, a super cute hustler and is in his apartment, and there's just this little stay-puffed marshmallow man on his windowsill for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just this movie is super fun. It's incredibly fun. It's very much trauma, but honestly, I would say that you know sometimes um, sort of self-reflective bad horror movies are painful to watch. You know, it's like they're two sort of wink, wink, look how hilarious we are. This one is just fun. It's just super fun. It's gory enough to be interesting, and the the little monster condoms are, are <laughs> awesome. They're awesome. So uh, I honestly, I'm like, I, I fully get behind the recommendation that you guys watch this, which, by the way, is in its entirety for free on YouTube. There you go. Dial it up from 1996. That's our number five. Sex and Death horror film. Killer Condom. Moving up to number four, kind of a, a similar theme, I guess, uh, from 2007. Again, maybe not much of a, kind of an explanatory title, but still a stranger to her own body. A high school student discovers she has a physical advantage when she becomes the object of male violence, its teeth. Are you sexually active? No, I just want to be checked out. Okay, then. Every 23rd spring. What's it doing up there? For 23 days. I think there might be something weird going on inside. What? What's. What do you put in here? Gets to it. There is something inside of me. Now, in contrast to the fun that we had with the last one, this one, you know, apart from its outlandish, I guess, premise, it has a very serious metaphorical element to it. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. And um, one of the reasons that it works as well as it does is because Jess Wexler, who plays the, the, the main character, is just magnificent throughout. She's really great. I love to point out also that Mitchell Lichtenstein, who directed this, is the son of Ohio artist Roy Lichtenstein, which is weird. Yeah, <laughs> that, just, I, I love that. Yeah. Just a weird fact you know on the surface there you know you saw like the two very simpsons-esque like nuclear power plant smokestacks and you know there's something wrong with her but but it's just it's just a coming of age sexual hysteria metaphor well exactly what has always been the root cause of the legend of of vagina dentata Dentata. Mm -hmm. and uh, you mentioned the uh the power plants and that is i guess a very deliberate homage to the simpsons because every time the power plant is cooling towers are seen they have the crow go off just like (laughs) it's very very much an homage to the simpsons and actually during the filming of the very first scene many of the neighbors around the location thought they were they were protesting they thought they were making a porno film uh, around the area where they were where they were shooting it which i suppose is a little bit understandable yeah because there there's a lot of wang in this movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's mostly dismembered, but it's it's everywhere. I mean, there's a there's a great deal of of bare penis yeah. happening here. Yeah, because yeah, some bad some bad things happen. But but <laughs> yeah, I mean the the undercurrent, like we said in the in the uh, the setup of of male violence, is very mm-hmm. much an undercurrent and and played out with this with this premise of how she gets revenge. Yeah. Uh, with the world that she's living in and the the kind of uh, you know the way that. Males see her as that sexual being. Yeah, and it starts off. She's not getting revenge, right? Her body is protecting her, right? Um, and then, and then uh, toward the end of the film, it really definitely becomes one of those sort of you know Ms. Forty Five rape revenge fantasies 
which which work for a lot of people. I don't care for them. They I, I don't care for them. So I didn't I did not love the the way this film ended. And it's actually it's often quite funny. And and again, like toward the beginning of the film, in the first maybe two thirds of the film, the humor works really well within the context of the story. So, sort of like that the scene in the trailer of the of the doctor's appointment. You right. know, I won't bite you. Yeah. You know, but toward the end, I think it becomes such a joke of dismembered penises. Yeah. I mean, it's just like such a like, oh, it's, there goes another one. Where it kind of, it, where it, where it kind kind of, of serves me. to cancel out. Yeah, the, the seriousness the, of the yes, metaphor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting. You mentioned all the detached penises. At, at least one of them was made out of entirely out of sugar by a local bakery so that in case it was eaten by the dog, it'd right. be all right. Well, I'm not going to say it, but... I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta respect that. You They're do. thinking ahead. You do. You know, so they can put the little thing at the end where no animals were harmed right. in the making of this film. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Uh, that And to be honest, a lot of it works out really well. I mean, a lot of it they handle quite well. I mean, and it's, you know, obviously this film is not for everyone, and I think you know going into it, you know, her vagina bites off a bunch of penises. Maybe I don't want to see that. If you don't want to see it, you know that. It's not like you're going to think 20 minutes in, I don't think I like <laughs> the severing of a penis. But, um, but you know, it, it does have an enormous amount going for it. It looks great, too. I mean, the sort of Simpsons look about it, the very the, the, the eye that he brings to this movie is kind of fascinating and gives the whole thing this sort of off-kilter feel that is very entertaining. Now, did he go on, Lichtenstein, did he go on to do... Anything else of note? Yeah, he made one other like drama and one other horror film. Neither one of them were particularly interesting. Huh. Okay, so that's Teeth, number four in our Sex and Death countdown uh, for this week's Fright Club podcast. Moving up to number three is the one we're going to see tonight. From 2001, two American newlyweds in Paris experience a love so strong it almost devours them. Trouble every day. No, Dr. Simino doesn't work here anymore. My I really need to find him. You see His wife is sick. Do you believe in loyalty, Mr. Brown? What about betrayal? Okay, we've slipped away to an empty theater, as we always do, so we can talk a little bit more about the movie we're going to see tonight. It's Trouble Every Day, and you've been saying for a few weeks now, you think people are not going to like it. It's, I'm just worried they won't, because it's um, it's a slow film. You know, it's meditative, it takes its time, and it doesn't explain anything to you. So it's like you can't be lulled by the pace into not paying attention. You have to pay attention, or you're like at the end of the movie going, I have no idea what just happened, but a lot of blood was shed. Yeah, it is funny because it's partly in English, partly in French. Right. But when you think about it, even if the French parts did not have subtitles, would it make that much difference? No. They're not really giving you a whole lot to go on. No. They're giving you some dialogue, but it's very ambiguous. You could probably pick up as much as you're meant to pick up without it, really. Yeah. Because what you see is the, uh, these newlyweds going to Paris, and um, one of them is played by uh, Vincent Gallo, and he's got some other reason for going there. Uh, because there's a doctor whose wife is Beatrice Dahl, who we love. We love Beatrice Dahl. And he is pretty much imprisoning her, keeping her, trying to keep her locked up in his big house all day while he works on apparently some sort of 
cure or research into the affliction that she has. Right. And something about this affliction is drawing... Shane is the name of the character, right, the drawing doctor. Shane. Right. To that area to try, and he's and unbeknownst he, to his very lovely, very sweet, brand new wife. Right, and because and then as soon as they get to Paris, he just starts disappearing. Right, going off on this this hunt to try to find the doctor. And yes, much blood is shed, but it really boils down to two really main, very uncomfortable scenes that yes. the rest of the movie is kind of leading to. Yes, and um, and and there's a parallel being being drawn between Beatrice Dahl's character Corey and Shane. It's interesting. These the same themes appear in a lot of the films on this list, and in particular one other film on this list. Claire Denis, the, the director, she's just really exploring that sort of sense, like that moment where sex and violence, where like hunger and sex sort of co-mingle and looking at, I think, power and gender power and really diving very deep into that sort of specific moment. Mm-hmm. And I think she does it in a very uh, interesting way because because of the way she structures the film. She just leaves it up to you to decide what it is you're seeing. When I first watched this movie years ago, and it did not get a U.S. theatrical release, so I saw it on, I don't know, DVD or something years ago, I got it because it was on somebody's list of the best vampire movies. Yeah. So if you're looking at this and thinking to yourself, <laughs> it is not a vampire movie. It's no. not a vampire movie. I mean, you could make an argument, I suppose, you know, to put it on a list like that. It would be stretching it. Yes. Um, you can find some things to point to if you really want to go down that road. You can find it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's also very interesting to me the way she, Claire Denis, Many, many close-ups, oh, many yes. um, out-of-symmetry close-ups, right. uh, but just real focus on faces and body necks. parts. And yeah, necks. Yeah, yeah, body parts, yeah. yeah. Because I, I think that it, particularly when Shane is part of the scene, because I think you're getting the sense that he's becoming fixated oh, yes. on parts of the body mm-hmm. as opposed to just life in general. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I do. I can see where a lot of people might consider this movie a bit of a bore and others a bit pretentious. Yeah. I disagree, actually. I think that as long as you're not expecting, like, a, you know, a quick pace or a quick clip, you're expecting something more meditative. I actually think it's very disturbing, a very disturbing film. Even though we will say we like the musical score very Love much. Love it. Tinder uh, sticks. Tinder it's sticks. so great. Love the song, Trouble Every Day and like the very atmospheric score. But there are very strategic points in here that have no music at all, which only lends to the disturbing atmosphere of the movie. I right, think. exactly. And the other thing, and you, you brought this up, is that Beatrice Dahl is just so physically striking. She is, So, yeah. And she's also in one of our all-time favorites, Inside. And they she uses her just striking appearance to such great extent in the movie Inside, almost comically, you know. But in this one... She's, I mean, she's just, it's a fascinating character. She, she's in the movie for at least 30 minutes before she even delivers a line of dialogue. Yeah. And she, you're just fascinated by every move that she makes. She's just, she's then, striking. It's such in, a great work. In her real climactic scene. Eesh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She is just ferocious. Yes, yeah, she is. Uh, just ferocious and unforgettable as, as usual. So yeah, it's one that is not going to be for everybody. I think it might be a stretch. You know, you, I think you're worried maybe a little bit too much. Right. But no, it's it is not. I get that way at these. I do. I'm always afraid. I'm like everybody's going to hate this movie. But I it's picked. good. You got to change it up sometimes. You know, we do this every month. We present a movie. You can, you know, let's try to vary it up a little bit. And this one is is different than a lot of the things we we've shown. But it's going to be interesting to get the reaction after because you're right. It's not. 
it's not for everybody, and it's a slow burn to some some pretty some bursts um, of, yeah, of some yeah, bursts. really uncomfortable violence. But I got to tell you, I'm I'm just not buying Vincent Gallo as working in any type of medical field. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just it's hard for me to consider him gainfully yeah. employed. He walks in the room. Oh, hi, Doc. Bye, Doc. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> but uh, that is trouble every day, and uh, we want to get back in there and watch it. So let's do that. Well, as usual, we don't want to say much of anything about this movie because there's people here that haven't seen it, so we don't want to spoil everything. Spoil anything except that it stars Vincent Gallo, who we already thought was weird, but then we got a nice tidbit from Peter here at Fright Club that apparently Vincent is selling, he sells his sperm on the web. Is that correct? On his website. So I guess that's a budding industry mm. and he's on the ground floor. <laughs> this is the perfect kind of movie I think that he would star in. I'm like, oh yes, that's one of his movies. And the important thing <laughs> is that Fright Club favorite Beatrice Dahl is in this film. Yes. So if you were here for Inside, yes. right, she's the villain and she's, Magnificent as she always is. She's so. Str- First of all, she's so striking looking. Yeah, she is. And then she she creates. She cuts such a such a figure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like you can't take your eyes off mm-hmm. of her. The title. I will say the title of the movie comes from Frank Zappa song. Yes, from the it album does. Freak Out, Trouble mm-hmm. Every Day. So that's about all we want to say. Well, the director, a woman. That's right. In honor of Women in Horror Month, Claire Denis, who is not known for horror films. She's an incredibly well-respected French director, auteur, and just dipped into gore-tastic filmmaking with this one. So thank you, Claire. (laughs) All right. So enough about that, but we're going to see it here in just a little bit. Uh, So we'll move on to number two in our Sex and Death countdown from just uh, a couple years ago, 2016. This one got a lot of people talking for good reason. When a young vegetarian undergoes a carnivorous hazing ritual at vet school, an unbidden taste for meat begins to grow in her. It's raw. So another uh, woman, filmmaker for Women in Horror Month, Julia Ducourneau, who, this is her first film, which is That's, crazy to it me. It really uh, is. Uh, Writer-director Julia Ducourneau made this movie, and it is one of the best, I think, carried out metaphors yes. um, of any horror film. Because so many horror films, are, they, you know, they start with a metaphor, and then they just kind of get sidetracked with different, you know, going in different areas. But I think that this is just really meticulously crafted and an amazingly well-acted film. And my my favorite Last scene of any movie from 2016. It is. It's a fantastic last scene. And it features a guy that we've talked about several times. Uh, Laurent, Lucas Laurent. Luke, or, or, yeah, Laurent Lucas. Laurent Lucas. Sorry, Laurent from, Lucas. Um, Calvert. From Calvert, yeah. Uh, he's in that last scene. It is perfect. It just ties everything together. But even before then, like you said, the metaphor is so well played out. And uh, the whole thing is so put together in such a, a visionary way. The colors are striking. Uh, some of the scenes are incredibly striking. And uh, as far as a, a coming-of-age type movie taken to the nth degree, right, right, right. This boy, this it really is successful on so many levels. And surprisingly enough, it's not France's first ever sex equals cannibalism film, uh, as we'll find out in yes, like 20 minutes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And actually, and it's also kind of shrewdly funny. It I is. I mean, there's definitely some 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 dark comedy to it. Yeah. But uh, it's also very. It's this is one of those movies that comes along. 
every so often where, where you hear the lead, oh, people are fainting in the aisles and things like that, you know, yeah. which it's certainly not going to be for everybody. I don't no. think it's that bad. There are some people that know it's not going to be their thing. And it certainly has its gross moments. But I think it all works. It all feeds the metaphor of what she's trying to. It feeds it. Feeds it. Yeah, that's see, see there? <laughs> Play on words. Uh, but it's one of the reasons that it, that it works so well, I think, because it was one of our very favorite movies of 2016. Yeah, horror or otherwise, right. it was one of our very. And it's been on. It's been on this countdown at least once because I know it was on for the sisters countdown, and it might have been on the food one too. So yeah, yeah, I we mean, love this one. And the and the gore is very strategically placed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also a lot of body horror. I mean, it's got some Cronenberg themes going on to it. Yeah, but yeah, never I, a bad decision. Not a bad decision, but like you said, it's her debut film, which is. An amazingly accomplished debut, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does in the future. Yeah. No no doubt about it. So that's our number two, uh, Raw, from just 2016. And number one in our Sex and Death countdown from 2014, a young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter in It Follows. This thing, it's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. There's so many things I love about this movie, and I remember when it came out. All the things. All the things. It got so many people talking right away. So many people loved it. And then you had the crowd that it, it wasn't their type of horror movie. So then you had a kind of a debate going back and forth, and then the people that constantly wanted to jump right in and think, well, you could easily defeat the it by this and that, and, and, and you're missing out. You know, if you're, if you're diving into that sort of argument, I think you're missing the brilliance of this movie, because I think it is just brilliant. Oh, I agree. I 100% agree. And I think that it is such a, a really clever and loving ode to horror films, on top of just being a really smart script that was made really well with some great performances, but it just opens... With John Carpenter. All movie. the way, yeah. You know, it's like, and you're just like, oh my God, this is so, you know, and then you're like, why is she running around in that? What is she wearing? And then, you know, what is she, and all of a sudden you're on the beach with her and you're like, damn, yeah. wow, that yeah. was, and then the, spend the whole rest of the movie going like, God, if it catches you, look, remember what he did to that girl on the beach? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he sets things up so perfectly. Um, he does. And then, he shoots almost the whole thing wide-angle lens, mm-hmm. give the whole thing a very expansive feel. You're right. There's so much homage to many different horror movies. It's purposely ambiguous in time mm-hmm. stamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really know w- when when it's supposed to be set, which is perfect. And also, I think it, it, it right away it got that label of, oh, the STD horror film, which... You know, I, I understand that label, but it's more than that. I think it's yeah. so much more no, than that. No, I absolutely do agree that it is. I mean, I don't think it's a cautionary tale about having sex. I think it's no, just. I, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a film about those moments between adolescence and adulthood and all of the fear of crossing from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was so magnificently filmed the way the camera, this was my favorite part, the way the camera spins around and before she realizes, really believes what's going on, you already know. So you're panning the periphery. You know, right. you're like, we see it before right. she you're does. Like, yeah. I wonder if it's that. Was that person wearing a hospital gown? And you're just like, okay, camera's almost back. Camera's almost back. Oh my god, yeah, hospital gowns are closer. You know, it just it did such an incredible job of of developing this like on the edge of your seat tension that it was really fun. And even though, like you say, the the the, the sex part, the STD part, isn't really 
what this movie's about, it most certainly qualifies in our countdown because that is how oh, yeah. the curse, yeah. quote-unquote, is spread uh, and how you have to keep it farther away from yourself by putting more people between you and the, and the, the monster, uh, which can take different forms, which is fantastic. But still, poor Keir Gilchrist. Come on! <laughs> He's not going to... They, they're going to eat him alive. Oh, no kidding. I guess David Robert Mitchell, who's the writer-director... Mm-hmm. He started writing the screenplay back in 2011 based on a recurring nightmare that he had. And it wasn't until later that he fashioned... Was it about that woman with the pee pants? <laughs> it was or about was that, that eight-foot-tall guy? guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the one that freaked me out. You know, you're not, you're not ready for that. And all of a sudden, Jesus, he's like eight feet tall. But, um, yeah, it didn't... Naked st- man on the roof, everybody. It's just- <laughs> That's just a normal Tuesday. <laughs> um, it didn't start out to be, you know, sex-based. Mm. But then as he, as he did more drafts of the script, he... he turned it into that sort of thing and it works man it works just so well it really does not only as a subject that qualifies for this countdown but it as a different metaphorical as we mm-hmm. use that word again metaphorical levels and i can't wait to see what what he does uh, another filmmaker who i'm very excited to see what he does next because this is man this is really the vision that he was going for is really well played yes and that is number one on our sex and death countdown. It follows from 2014, and that's just about our time limit because we got to get out of here and watch our number three movie, which is Trouble Every Day. So let us know what you thought about this, anything that we left out. Maybe you liked cat people. Maybe you liked cat people more than number five, <laughs> Killer Condom. All right? It just means you didn't watch Killer Condom. That's all that means. <laughs> the rubber that rubs you out. <laughs> that alone qualifies it for the countdown. So let us know. Easy way, easiest way to keep the conversation going is on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-I-L-F. On Facebook and Instagram, we're Mad Wolf Columbus. And, you know, one thing we didn't mention that I meant to mention at the outset, there's a lot of talk right now about a current horror movie that is debuted on Netflix called The Ritual. Yeah. A lot of people talking about that. We saw it. We liked it. Uh, it's one that if you haven't seen and you have a chance to check it out on Netflix, we would recommend it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's Nordic. And yeah. it has a Nordic fun, lore. Nordic lore. It has a very, really interestingly ex- executed monster, an actual monster. In right. It, I think which it, sometimes, in you know, in a low-budget, you know, made for TV. I mean, I'm not saying it's a low budget movie, but I'm saying it doesn't have a huge budget and it can be hard to actually present a monster. And they do a nice job. It's creepy and weird. Especially if you're one of those that watched maybe The Witch or It Comes at Night and said, I want a payoff. I want, you're going to get <laughs> yeah, it. Okay? Yeah, you're yeah. going to get it. So this might be for you. And while we're talking about new movies, new horror movies, just new movies in general, uh, we invite you to check out our other podcast called The Screening Room. And that's where we talk about all the new releases of the week in any genre in theaters and on home video. And, of course, this week there's a good one. Oh, my God. Black Panther is out, and we both loved it. So you can get our spoiler-free thoughts on uh, all the new releases every week. It's called The Screening Room. You can get it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, You can also find it at its own dedicated website, thescreeningroompodcast.com. So we'd love to have you check that out and give us your feedback. Please do. I think that's about it, is it not? Yeah, we just want you to come back next month for... 100 Bloody Acres, yeah, which is a lot more entertaining than that. That name makes it sound really mean. It's not. It's pretty funny. It's a fun one. Um, it's a fun one, and we're going to talk about farming and horror. Farming horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a really underdeveloped niche <laughs> in horror, but we're going to find out the best of farming horror. All right, so we're going to get to trouble every day here uh, at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus. Thank you for the crowd. The Valentine's Day. These are the hardcore. That's right. Fright Clubbers right here. That's coming right. Coming out on Valentine's Day to celebrate with us, so we can't thank you enough. So we're going to get Kurt to roll this, and until next time, uh, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Yeah.